First Thessalonians 2, verses 1 through 11. All right. Everyone there? Now, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about this, but I have a little bit different of a version than you all. Okay. So, so, so who else wants to read it? Who's willing to read it for us? Why do I never read? Here, I'll, oh, you're going to read? If, if you give me the wig back. All right, I'll read. Here. <laughs> okay, First Thessalonians 2, verses 1 through 11. Here's, here's what it says, okay? Uh, uh, wait, get one of those. Yeah, good. It's 1089. Page 1089. Um, last week, remember we started First Thessalonians? And who remember? It was Paul... Silvanus and Timothy, who write this letter to the church in Thessalonica, right? And they're writing this letter, and they really miss these people. And do you guys remember the, the three things that we talked about that is going to kind of be prevalent throughout this letter? Yes? Yes? Faith, what? Yes, Jorge! Faith, love, and hope. Okay? Right, because in, in the second verse, in the third verse of chapter 1, Paul and Timothy and Silas, they're already saying, remembering before, oh no, we give thanks to God always in the, in the second verse of chapter 1. Oh, wait, wait, no, no. I'm, how am I missing this? Third verse. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope, right? And then that's going to be prevalent throughout this whole letter. Okay, we're going to see those themes come up. Faith, love, and hope. Right, Jorge? All right, so today we are in 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 11. All right? Before, before we actually read the passage, have you guys ever... Um, like Ben, really excited about something, like to start. You're really excited about something to start. But then as you start it and time goes on, you're like, wow, this actually is the worst. Like like for me, I, I like watching soccer. I know probably no one else really watches soccer. Not Cam. But but as I, as I watch soccer, I would like pick a favorite team. And my team wouldn't – and I was like really excited up front. I was like, oh, they got cool jerseys. They're a good team. And then – they would start to do bad, and I'd be like, okay, this team is the worst. I'm going to just abandon them and move on to another team. So I choose another team. Huh? No, no, no. No, I was never bandwagon because I never chose the good teams to root for. Yeah, and then your team this well, year just went to the listen, whatever listen. it's called. No, no, no. That's, that's, I'm, I'm talking about England, English Premier League, all right? So then I'd like another team, and then I'd be excited, be like, oh, let's go, and then they do bad, and I'd like ditch them. Be like, okay, this is the worst. They're the worst. And then I'd pick another team. And, and then the same thing would happen. Like, I'd be so excited up front, but then all of a sudden, I would be like, okay, they're the worst. I'm just going to ditch them. Okay, I'm just going to leave them. Right? So we're going to read in this passage, in these 11 verses today, uh, Paul, Paul's talking, Paul, Timothy, and Silas, but Paul, and he's suffering, okay? Paul, Paul's talking about the suffering he's had to endure. He's talking about the, how he's had to work really hard. He's talking about humbling himself, putting his own glory, putting his own power aside. He, he's talking about how he's... he's Faced up against great opposition. Okay, this hasn't been an easy thing for Paul to walk with Jesus. That's what he's talking about. Okay, as, as Paul knows and follows Jesus, it hasn't been easy for him in a lot of ways is what we're going to see. Okay, But, you know, unlike me and my soccer teams, Paul doesn't just give up on following Jesus. All right? And we're going to learn today, we're going to see why does Paul not give up? What, what makes following Jesus, what makes knowing Jesus so worth it? All right? So let's read 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 through 11, and we'll see why is following Jesus, why Paul 
thinks, says following Jesus is so worth it. All right? So let's read together. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how like a father with his children, we're doing verse 12 too, that's my bad. We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Okay, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this time together, um, that where we might be encouraged, uh, where we might be comforted, where we might um, be pushed uh, to know you more, um, to glorify you more, to follow you. Um, would you humble us today as we listen and learn um, that we might learn and grow, uh, even just right now tonight. We pray us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So first, we're going to talk about three things, kind of hopefully shortly, three things that Paul shows us that a life with Jesus is not like. Okay? So Paul's going to show us three things Maybe like three myths or like common things we might believe. Like, oh, when I follow Jesus, when I know Jesus, then my life is going to be better. Or these things. Paul's going to show us three things that actually following Jesus does not guarantee, but that we might sometimes think, think so. Okay, this will make sense as, as we go through it. The first one, the first, the first myth that Paul kind of debunks here is that life with Jesus, when we follow Jesus or, or when we decide to know Jesus, it eliminates all suffering and opposition. Okay, That's, this is something that Paul's saying is not true. Right? And we see this um, right off the bat in verse 2, right? Paul is already saying, we had previously suffered, or, or sorry, that's, that's my other version. In verse 2 of the ESV, he says, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, Paul's coming and he's following Jesus and he's knowing Jesus. He's coming from this whole, he's ministering to all these people all over uh, the earth and in his, his region. And he's telling them about Jesus, and he's, and he's caring for them and serving them. And he says, but I'm suffering. I'm suffering here. Even though I'm following Jesus, my life is still hard. There's still pain in my life. And I think it's really easy for us like, to think that when, we're, like, when we find spirituality, or when we think of spirituality, and when we think of knowing Jesus or following Jesus, that it'll just eliminate all pain and suffering from our lives. Isn't, for me, that's kind of easy to think. Like, oh, a life with Jesus should be one that's like free of suffering because it's Jesus, right? It's Jesus that we're following. But Paul says here, he already shows us that he's been following Jesus. He knows Jesus. He's serving Jesus. And his life is still full of suffering and pain. All right, so the first thing that Paul shows us, right? Right off the bat, he says he was suffering in Philippi. And even actually, he goes on 
And he says, uh, in verse, in, in, at the end of verse 2, he says, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel. So he's talking about even when he's ministering and declaring the gospel to the people in Thessalonica, he says, in the midst of much conflict. So even, not just in Philippi was he suffering, but still currently, or as he was ministering to people in Thessalonica before, he was, there was much conflict. Jesus did not eliminate the conflict or the suffering. Following, knowing Jesus does not eliminate the suffering and the conflict and the pain and the opposition in our lives or in Paul's life, okay? The second thing that Paul shows us that is not true about following Jesus is that a life with Jesus includes or guarantees popularity or power or fame, okay? A life with Jesus does not actually include uh, popularity or guarantee popularity, power, and fame, all right? And we see this in verse 4. If you guys look at verse 4, he says, but just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please, who are, they, who are they not speaking to please? Man, but to please who? But to please God, right? They speak not to please man, but to please God. So Paul's, Paul's not worried about being popular with other people. He's worried about serving God. And I think, um, and then he goes on actually in verse 5, right? What does it say in verse 5? For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. So Paul's saying he's not coming with like special words or words that are going to make you think more of him. Words of flattery, right? Words that are going to make you feel necessarily good about yourself. He's also not coming with greed. He's not coming so that he can gain something for himself. He's not coming so that he can gain power. He's not following Jesus so that he gains power. And then in verse 6, Paul goes again, nor did we seek glory from people, right? Again, he's saying, I'm not, I'm not speaking uh, for, for man. I'm also not looking to have glory from people. Um, Paul, Paul realizes that following Jesus is not about the power or the popularity or the fame that we get from it. And I think, I think this maybe one is one that's harder to connect to for, like a, for a lot of us. But I know that like in my life, like being a, a youth director, I really want like everyone to think that I, that I know what I'm talking about and that I know, um, like, that I know Jesus well. And so in the midst of me following Jesus and knowing Jesus, it's easy for me to worry about what other people think about me. It's easy for me to use words of like flattery and use like special words um, and, and think about like the, the popularity that comes with it. Like I want people to like me because they, think that, because they think I know a lot about Jesus. So for me, it's really easy for me to be like, oh, I follow Jesus, I know Jesus, because in a sense, it, I'm more popular because of it. And I, I think that's kind of harder to connect to. I know because when I was in like high school or middle school, it, I couldn't really figure out how uh, following Jesus made, would make me popular or give me power. But I think a lot of times, as people who follow Jesus and read our Bibles and pray, it can be easy to be like, oh, I know everything. I know everything because I read my Bible. So I know everything and I have this power. Like I know I have this knowledge. But I, that's not even necessarily true. Right? A life with Jesus does not guarantee us all the knowledge in the world right now. It doesn't guarantee us all the wisdom in the world right now and all the power over others with our wisdom and knowledge. Paul shows us that this isn't why we follow Jesus. We don't follow Jesus for power or popularity or fame, okay? And then the last thing that Paul says, life with Jesus is, is only spiritual and theological. Or rather, Paul is showing us that life with Jesus is not, is not just spiritual. It's not just theological. It, life, following Jesus and knowing Jesus isn't just so that we can escape to another higher world. Okay? 
It's not so that we can just escape this world and escape to like a higher, a higher, more spiritual world. All right. And well, this will make this will hopefully make more sense as we read. Okay. In verse nine, it says, "For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. You remember, brothers. He's talking to the people in Thessalonica. You remember when we worked so hard, when we labored, when we toiled. Okay, night and day, that we might not be a burden for any of you." Paul, Paul, can anyone tell me something about Paul, who Paul was? Okay, yes. At first, right, and then he had this big encounter with Jesus on the show, this like super spiritual encounter where like not many people see Jesus like that, right? Like in a sense, Paul is very special. He wrote all these letters that we still read today. He was like this theological smart man. And he, he knew a lot. He knew a lot about the laws and the rules. For, like, he had every reason to be like a guru, a theological guru, or like a religious guru, and be like, hmm, you serve me. Like a lot of the Pharisees, they went about their lives with power and money, and they had other people serving them. And they, they were these, these people who, who had power and riches. And Paul had every, in, in this culture, Paul had every right to be like, okay, I'm the theological pastor guy here who's very wise and smart, who had this very amazing encounter with Jesus. He could have been like, okay, I'm not going to work. I'm going to escape this world. You guys do all the dirty work in the world. I'm just going to spend my time with Jesus. But what Paul shows us here in verse 9, what does he say? He says that he toiled, right? And he worked night and day. He didn't, he didn't just say, I'm going to escape to another world, to the spiritual world and be with Jesus. He said, I'm going to be right where I am working. Probably, probably like in a hard construction type job, making things. Uh, maybe a tent making, carpentry. Jesus did work with his hands, right? He, he labored and built stuff, right? So Paul shows us, right? And then not just in, in verse 9, um, but again, he mentions, he mentions working. Um, again, in... No, maybe not. He works night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while you proclaim to the God, while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses and God also how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know, all right. Well, there he mentions, all right, that he worked. He worked and he worked. Okay? So Paul shows us that following Jesus, knowing Jesus, is not just about gaining all this religious knowledge and experience and escaping to another world, but actually we know Jesus and we live with Jesus in the midst of our daily lives. Like, your guys' job kind of right now is school because you go there for like seven or eight hours a day, right? And, but I feel like a big part, I feel like oftentimes we think like knowing Jesus, following Jesus means we come to youth group or we come to church, right? Or we have our 10-minute 10 10, 10 Bible time, right, during the day, during the morning, during the night. But what Paul shows us is that Jesus, following Jesus, knowing Jesus, actually impacts every part of our life. It doesn't just impact the religious parts of our lives, of our, li- of our lives that when we just are at church spending time in youth group, but it actually impacts when you guys are at school, when you guys are with your friends, when you guys are trying to balance all these things in your life with work and friendships and going out with friends and, and family. Jesus impacts every single part of your guys' life, okay? So here's the thing, okay? Now we're just going to see, why does Paul follow Jesus, okay? We learned that it's not, it's not because he's able to escape all suffering. It's not because it... Uh, means that he can escape this world in doing the hard-working things of this world. It's not so that he has power and fame and popularity, right? What makes the gospel or what makes a life with Jesus so beautiful? What makes it so beautiful and worth it? 
And Paul shows us two things. Okay, we'll try to go through these things quickly. The one thing is that following Jesus, Paul sees that following Jesus means we are brought into a big family. Okay, we're brought into a big family with others. Because over, over and over again, throughout these verses. Can anyone find in here, throughout these verses, Paul uses endearing language or like familial language in these verses because he loves these people he's writing to. Can anyone find in here where Paul like uses language of like a family, a family might use? Calls them brothers at least twice. Yes. Verse 1, verse 9. Yeah. Yeah. Verse 11, right? Paul says, For you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you, encouraged you, and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. Right? He says, like a father with his children. Then how about in verse... Yes, Bentley. Verse 2. Yes. Yes, verse 7, right? But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Paul, Paul, over and over again, he's not just writing to this people who he considers like friends or acquaintances or people who he's trying to serve, but he's writing to a, to a people, to a family. He's writing to his family. Not his blood family, not who he's related by blood, but these people who he really loves and cares about. In, in verse 8, Actually, he doesn't use family language, but Paul says, so being affectionately desirous toward you, we are ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our very, but also our own selves. Paul didn't come just to tell these people about the, just to tell these people about the gospel, about Jesus, but he came to love them, to live with them, to be with them, to be where they are. Paul realizes that following Jesus, knowing Jesus actually brings him into a bigger family and uses language that reflects that throughout, throughout this whole time. So that's one thing, okay? Paul realizes when he, following Jesus, knowing Jesus, is all about being brought into a bigger family, brought into a big family where we try to love one another. And actually, I think he says it best in verse 12. Um, we exhorted each one of you, um, and we encouraged you, and we charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. So they're exhorting, they're comforting, they're charging one another, right? They love, because they love one another. So that's one, one thing that Paul shows us. Uh, following Jesus is beautiful. Knowing Jesus is beautiful because it brings us into a big, big family where we get to grow together, where we get to be encouraged and loved and comforted, hopefully. And then the last thing, in verse 12, Paul mentions that we have a hope. When we follow Jesus, when we know Jesus, we have a hope. We have hope, okay? A specific hope. In verse 12, Paul says that God is calling his Christian family, right? this family that he's talking about, he says, God is calling you or calls you into his own kingdom and glory. All right? Paul, show, Paul says, he shows that there is a place, a beautiful place, a glorious place, okay, a beautiful kingdom that God is bringing this family into. Paul follows Jesus and knows Jesus because it's worth it because he is sure that right now he has a family, a big family, where we get to grow together, but also there's a future that is sure, that is beautiful, that is not as grim as it is right now.
He's sure that God has a bigger and better plan. All right, he has a hope. That's what makes the gospel so beautiful, is that right now we have people in the midst of pain and chaos, and, and we have a place in the future where we're with Jesus forever, a beautiful kingdom, a, a better plan. So just to end this, okay, we'll end on this, all right? Think about your lives right now. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list some things, and maybe some of these things will connect with you, okay? So for some of you, okay, it might be hard to go to school every day. Maybe just getting up and going to school is hard, is difficult. Maybe just living normal life is hard, right? You just get up, you're like, I, what am I going to do today? Like, my life is just hard. Maybe, maybe you feel super lonely at school or with your friends or even with your family. Maybe, like, loneliness is there. Or maybe uh, you don't feel like your friends or your teachers or your family really care about you. You don't feel like they really understand you or see you. Or maybe you're going through a really hard time right now and you're suffering, right? Like Paul mentioned, he was suffering. Maybe you're suffering because of something you've done that has hurt someone else and you, and you know that it was wrong and you're ashamed and you feel guilty and you know that you're guilty because you've hurt someone else. Or maybe someone else or others have done something to hurt you that have been hurtful to you, okay? Or maybe there's something that is in your past that has caused like serious trauma and difficulty and sadness and despair in your life. Or maybe there's something in your past that you have done that you feel totally ashamed about, okay? Maybe, maybe you just feel like you're working really hard, you're exhausted because you're trying to balance friends and job and a school and family and all these things, homework, sports, clubs, right? And you just don't know, maybe you just don't know, like, do I have time to even follow Jesus? Do I have time to know Jesus, all right? Think about those things. Maybe there's something specific in your head that you're thinking of right now that any of those words brought up, okay? This is the beauty of the gospel, okay? This is the beauty of following Jesus. This is the beauty of knowing Jesus, okay? Jesus doesn't ensure that those things are going to go away. He doesn't ensure that the pain and the suffering, the heartache, the opposition is going to go away. He doesn't ensure necessarily that even the shame is going to go away or the, or, uh, the feelings of guiltiness. But, but it means that we can be brought into a family first. It means that we can be brought into a family where we are hopefully encouraged, where we are loved, where we're comforted, and where we have space to grow, where we're encouraged to grow, where we're pushed to grow. And, and even more, it gives us a hope. Okay, so one, it brings us into a family. It doesn't eliminate suffering, but it brings us into a place where maybe people can listen and, and encourage us in the midst of our suffering and sit with us in the midst of our suffering and pain and shame and heartache. But also, when we follow Jesus, when we know Jesus, it gives us hope, something to be sure about, about the future, okay? That God has a bigger plan, a better plan even, for a future that is not full of pain. And it's not full of loneliness and exhaustion and tiredness and shame. All right? So, one last time. This is the beauty of following Jesus. This is the beauty of the gospel, okay? This is why Paul follows Jesus. And this is why I think Paul is actually inviting all of us to follow and know Jesus. This is, this is what Paul is telling us. It's worth it to follow Jesus today. And I would urge all of you to know and follow Jesus as well and to continue doing so, so that you might be expectant of something bigger and better. So that you might be filled with purpose and meaning now as you expect something bigger and better. A beautiful and glorious kingdom full of people who love you. Full of, full of people who come for you. And actually, where Jesus is, the one who perfectly loves, the one who, who perfectly comforts, the one who perfectly convicts and grows us and changes us and, and sanctifies us is the word we use. And one day... One day we'll actually get to dwell there with many, many others. So as we go into small groups, I'm going to pray. As we go into small groups, um, 
we're going to talk about, one thing we're going to talk about is do you have a place? Do you all have a place or people who encourage you, who love you, who comfort you, and who push you to grow, to be sanctified? Do you guys have people like that in your life? So I think that's really important now. Because part of following Jesus and knowing Jesus is not just doing it alone, but doing it with a family, right? Doing it with others who, who want the same. And then, um, so just be ready to share. Be thinking now about do you have that? And also, if not, what are some ways that um, we can work towards finding people who love us and comfort us um, and encourage us, but also desire what's best for us and, and want us to grow? All right, let's pray. God, thank you for this time together. Um, thank you for Jesus, uh, for his nearness to us right now, um, for how Jesus has brought us into this family where we are mothers and daughters and sons and brothers and fathers. Um, and we thank you um, that you bring us into this family, that you are here and you will hold us forever. Um, so we ask that in the midst of our lives, of our messy lives, of our real lives, um, that we might encounter you in very real ways. We're proud. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.